0: I would say that, like I've collected the most art from other artists on Foundation as well as like their own OpenSea collections like that and I think I have like 2 to 300 pieces total so I've definitely collected like more than I've sold and it feels better to buy someone's art than it does to sell your own especially when I always think about when I sold my first piece for the 0.6 ETH like that was life changing for me So if I can give that opportunity to let's say like 10, even 20 people, like that in itself has justified everything I've done in this space. It's just giving someone else that sense of hope that there is a possibility in a space. You can do the thing. You just have to like stay here and keep doing it. So it's, it's always like a give and take. Like every time I make a sale, I buy a piece from another artist and then I go to like a restaurant because I used to be a server and then I just tip the waiter like a really big amount. Like those are the two things I always do when I sell because I was once in both of those positions where I thought my art wasn't gonna sell and I was at you know at a restaurant waiting tables. So I I think it's just like doing your part, I guess.
1: The boys got PhDs. When it comes to talking about NFTs and that's nifty. Talk about the crypto space and that's nifty, that's nifty, that's
2: nifty.
1: Your host for tonight's podcast are Tyler, Larry, and Slime Sunday. Damn, that's nifty.
3: Hey, how's it going? Chewy. What's up, man? Not much. Chilling on a Friday?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I had a couple of meetings earlier. I'm working on some fun projects. Um, I'm doing a solo exhibition in China, and so I'm trying to get all those pieces figured out by then. Um, wow, where I, in China? So, yeah, I'm not sure exactly. So I had a auction at an auction house, and then the collector, I guess, owns a gallery as well. Um, I guess he had just purchased it. I haven't talked to him directly yet, but um, I think Hangzhou. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but... Um, that's where I think it is. Yeah.
3: Nice, man.
2: That's the hottest I think anyone's came in with, with some <laughs> real alpha. <horse. laughs> Dude, you, need, you need us to bleep anything out. What's, uh?
0: <laughs> what's the game plan? So it'll be like May and it should be 15 pieces. Um, I'm doing wow. a, uh, all of them around the subconscious. So each piece will, like, represent an interpretation of um, what I think the subconscious would look like, like, in a visual form.
2: No shit. Wow. I, I, I you know, obviously these uh, NFTs and, in, 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 you know, digital arts become international, but I feel like the, uh, you don't hear too much of the uh, Asian- I'm flame. going to
3: China yeah. to have a, a gallery show. That's sick. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, I think COVID kind of puts some restrictions on the traveling. Um, They had offered to like fly me out if COVID wasn't a thing. Um, So we'll see by May if it's still a travel restriction for them, but it's an entirely different ecosystem uh, than what we're used to seeing on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, It seems to be more of like an art focused and like true emotional response as opposed to like flipping and... uh, Like uh, larger collections like that, which is nothing wrong with, but it's just a different sort of pace and mindset,
3: I guess. Yeah, less financially focused, more focused on the actual art at hand. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we were reading up on you, and like I, I, we've known about you for a little while because of um, floating around the Artifacts Project and doing their Unreal Engine Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, And then you, you had a tweet not too long ago saying that you know you had spent some time in a coma that you didn't think you were coming out of, and that. Like, really, like, I, it was shocking. I was like, that's such a unique experience that, you know, you don't get to see art from that viewpoint a lot of times. And it was cool to view your art yeah. through that lens after knowing it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, it was crazy. So, like, long story, I had I had taken a fall. It was like a 20 feet fall. Um, and then they air me to a hospital. And then I went straight into a coma for like nine days. Jesus. Um they brought they brought like a priest in and they're like say your final goodbyes he's probably not coming out like say what you want to say this is it um and then i just remember waking up and i was like i was they had so many painkillers in me that i didn't feel any of the pain so i was like okay like we can go home now like why why are we at a hospital and everyone's like no 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 no. like you are so far behind on what's happening um and then it just everything started unraveling and then i was like oh shit like a, a lot happened in that time um But with the art, it gives me a sort of, I don't know, it gives me like a cathartic feeling to the whole event. Like I get to sort of reinterpret my experience and show the world how I can grow from that,
3: I guess. Yeah, I mean, it comes through in your art. Like it's so, the way I see it, your art's very surreal in the the focus, but the, the landscape seems like they could be a real place, you know? So it's like kind of putting that surreal vibe into almost like the real environment that we're in
0: yeah yeah I uh I sort of straight away from the landscapes I want to go back to them um but I noticed when I was making landscapes that felt like I was more so creating for other people's enjoyment and I knew that people enjoyed landscapes it was a very widely accepted like uh format to make art in um but the more and more of it that I made of them it felt like it wasn't my art it felt like it was more so a product that other people would appreciate and then that's when I started shifted into making the more surreal aspect in the
2: human body I guess no shit like I'm I'm just curious because like you see your work and and like Tyler said you get just a totally different perspective once you kind of get that backstory on it but like I guess you can you can relate it to what you're doing right now with this this um exhibition that you have coming up like this, with like subconscious being a theme, like I'm assuming like describing what it's like to be in a coma is almost like undescribable. but uh, coming out do you, like, do you take that perspective and then apply it to kind of how you're shaping your art going forward? And I guess, you know, kind of influencing kind of the themes that you work with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the the accident itself sort of just like changed everything, like how I look at every single thing in life. I mean, it, it goes like deep, deep, deep um so it 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 sort of just gave me a greater appreciation for like the smaller things I know that's cliche but like when I'm making my art it's it's very focused on specifics and a very specific feel and a piece could technically be done and it would look good but to me I need to look at the piece and it needs to it needs to remind me of a very specific moment of when I was healing from the accident and if it doesn't do that I just delete it it just goes straight into the trash can. Even if I spend a month on the piece, it has to be a very specific feel. And usually what I'll do is I'll work really late at nights right before I go to bed. And then when I wake up, if that feeling isn't the first thing I feel when I look at it, it, I have to restart. So it's very like specific.
3: That's crazy to embed that much feeling into it. And like, I I think I read somewhere that you're also a lucid dreamer. Do you think that plays into it at all? Do you think you like, enter kind of a dreamlike state when you're building your art
0: yeah and so and that's something I've been thinking about a lot too is what role that the dreaming plays to it because from my perspective my brain has suppressed a lot of pain from the event that I think is now resurfacing in my dreams whether that's a coincidence or not Um, so I'm sort of trying to like put those pieces together and when I am dreaming I'm like is this a thing that I should be paying attention to in my you know, just like daily life, like, is this, am I supposed to be learning something from this? Um, So it's painful, but it's interesting. It's exciting. Like, it's just, it's part of the human experience that like not everyone gets to experience. And so I feel like it's my job to show the world what that would look like.
2: So like, was there like an artistic sense, like change before and after? Is there like two totally different outlooks on kind of how you create?
0: Yeah. So, oh, I mean, I was a uh, photographer before, so like urban exploring, like drifter shoots type of thing, like climb skyscrapers and stuff like that. And that's actually how I had my accident was there was like a news report. They like, yeah, so a news team came up and saw my friend and I doing this like parkour run. And they were like, hold on, let's get our crew. We'll be back in a minute. And so we just kept practicing and then just practice runs. I had like clipped my feet on a ledge and basically just fell straight down. So it was more so of like a photography standpoint at first. And then afterwards, like after the whole thing, it became more of like a sense of therapy to me. So before it was just creating to like do cool stuff and enjoy it. And now it is very like it heals me along the way as opposed to just, you know,
3: thinking it's cool. Do you think there's any sort of feedback loop where you know, while you're creating your art, your art kind of influences your dreams and then your dreams influence the art. And it's kind of like uh, it's heading somewhere, you know? Yeah. I wish
0: I knew where it was heading, but there is like, it's, there seems to be, (laughs) there seems to be like patterns that form as more time goes on. And um, usually what I do is like on the day of my accident every year, I like write myself this letter of how that year went And so every year I'll go back and read each year's sort of like report, I guess. Um, And it seems to have very common things. It usually comes back to just like appreciating stuff. Um, But like as far as where it's going in the future, I have no idea. I just kind of let it happen, I guess. Like whatever makes sense. at the.
3: That's the journey, right? I mean, I I think (laughs) I read maybe Dave Krugman's uh, write-up for All Ships. And Mm. I think it mentioned something about you take pieces of art and you put them into a folder to, to relook at later on to see if you like feel the same way, kind of like you do when you're creating art. But yep. do you like that historical aspect of like, you know, are you looking at like my growth as an artist or are you looking, are you trying to feel the feelings that you felt like the, the year or so, like when you were making the first piece?
0: It's a little bit of both. Um, the end goal is to like, when I'm all like dead and gone that my body of work of art, represents true fragments of who i am and so that forever people will be able to look at my work and at least have the opportunity to grasp what like my life was so it's it, it's a very like documentative process of like how i'm feeling in a specific moment and then if you look back over the course of x years you can sort of like see how my mindset has changed throughout that time um, because I go through like little series is basically where I'll make like 10, 20 pieces that are all meant together and then move on to another. Um, and then like, as I look back, they represent periods of my life. And so like when I'm 80, I want to be able to have those things like in compartments and represent different aspects.
3: I think feeling is really tied to memory as well. So it's almost like you can yep. look at those pieces and know exactly like, I don't know, it brings better memories back because you've embedded feelings right into it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And just from like healing from the experience, my memory has been like really terrible. Like just like when you go through something traumatic, your brain wants to not remember the thing because it brings pain and your brain's like, we're just going to suppress that. And so I, I do want to remember the times when I'm not feeling well, because I, I just like, I have a hard time remembering stuff in general. My, it just goes one in, in one ear and out the other. So with the art, it lets me sort of like cement my identity into like moments, I guess.
2: I feel like NFTs and like the the way that we've gotten to like this point in like, you know, technology, you have a perfect like runway now to to hold those memories and those feelings, right? So like what okay. was the, uh, what was your step into NFTs and I guess, what was your, I guess, thought process when you were? of making the transition like were you crypto native what was your kind of aha type of moment with them
0: so i started out just like in some group chats on twitter that were just like sharing each other's art and i hadn't really known what nfts were at the time um and then i saw fiwo was into nfts and he was on super rare um and i was like oh that's really cool so i sort of like was doing some research watched what he was doing um and then late 2020 a friend sort of nudged me into the space and was like hey you should mint on rareball i'll pay for your gas Um, and I was like, I mean, I have no reason not to like, it sounded interesting. I wanted to get in eventually. If not now, then when, um, and so I sort of just like dove right in. I was working at a casino at the time they're paying me like 950 an hour. Um, I was broke. Like I was just working every day. And then I had a collector reach out to me and he offered me like, he wanted to buy a few of my pieces. And so in that moment, I just felt this feeling was like, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to see where this goes. And see what happens and then here we are a couple of years later full-time artist it uh it feels pretty good not gonna lie
2: <laughs> what were you doing at the casino i was a
0: server at a restaurant um so i mean it was like it was a lot of tip money but still it just like they didn't care about me they didn't want it like it it just felt like a dead-end place like i wasn't gonna grow from it i wasn't learning learning anything people were just like not respecting me um yeah. it just like it felt like my soul was dying every day I was there and I knew that there was things I wanted to be doing, but I had to pay bills. So I had to wait on I had to wait on tables. It just was the way it was at the time. So where'd you pick up 3d art? When did that like start for you? So I like, before I even started making art, I had followed like fuck render Euphoria, um, S. you uh, Blake Catherine and all of their work just like really spoke to me. And I would follow them on Instagram and like people and stuff like that. Um, And then when the pandemic hit, I I just had all this free time on my hands. So I saw Beeple was doing everydays and I decided to do my own like run of those um, just to learn 3D because it's like kind of scary at first. But I was like, if I just spend a couple hours every day making a render, um, I might actually get good at it and I enjoyed it. Um, So that was like, that was around the same time, I would say like mid to late, I think it was March, 2020 is when I started doing everydays. Um, And then I took I sort of took a step back and sort of did a more methodical approach. But yeah, I'm only two years into 3D. So I'm still pretty new, but- So your
2: everydays were like experimental?
0: Yeah, very experimental, just figuring out like what I liked, what kind of style I wanted to pursue. And that's sort of when I was doing the landscapes, it was a relatively easy way to get in the groove of things. Um, And then it just felt like it wasn't doing enough for me. So I took, I, I slowed the pace down a little bit um, and then made more like personal work that represents like my true self I guess
3: that's all on blender
0: yep all on blender
3: yeah yeah I had when
0: I was like 13 I had cinema 4d and I would sit in. I would sit on just like YouTube channels and comment like, I'll do any graphic work for you for five dollars. <laughs> and I I just had like all of these offers and I had no idea what I was doing at the time, but I was just like bored when you're, you know, when you're a teenager, you just want to find stuff to do. Um, so like there's you're just like five bucks. I would just I would just like copy and paste the comment like 20 times on random people's YouTube videos like <laughs> hit me up. I'm doing graphic design work and it wasn't any good, but, you know, like a, a, Eventually $5 adds up. Like it's a sheer numbers game. I mean, that's what I
2: do for my, <laughs> yeah. my regular job. I, I recruit, so I have a message that I'll copy-paste, tailor that. Sure yeah. you know, so you send enough, you'll get, you'll get some some hits. It's a
3: new-age lemonade stand. That's such a better <laughs> yeah, way to you know. Exactly. Yeah, lemonade. Just put mad sugar in it so everyone actually likes it. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on, like, um, you know, once you have, like, a, a distinct style – when people like branch out from that, are you cool with like new experimental looks or like, are you going to stick with like, um, you know, a a theme and style?
0: Um, I think when it, so like I'm at a place where I feel like when it comes to like solo exhibitions or shows or galleries, stuff like that, I want to have a specific style, but for the rest of it, I encourage experimenting. Um, I actually think having one style can possibly hinder your growth. Um, it, it gets you sort of in this comfort zone where you know a thing works, so you keep doing that thing. But there's also so many other things that can work for you that you might not have discovered yet. Um, and so you don't necessarily have to change your style, but you can spend time exploring other styles and see if something might make more sense for you as um, like you change as a person and grow. So it, I, I guess it kind of comes down to like what works best for you. Some people prefer that comfort zone and there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm always striving to do better and be better and be different, I guess, not from everyone else, but just from who I was the previous
3: day. That's kind of a cool way to look at it. It's like my style might just progress over time. You know, it's like I'm not shooting for any one thing in particular, but I'm just going to make what I feel and that style will be me by the end, you know?
0: Yeah. And that's sort of where those like files come in that Dave had mentioned where like each style represents an era in my lifetime, and it, it like you, you can see the end and the beginning of those styles, and they represent something specific.
3: How did you get linked up with RD over at Artifacts Project?
0: That is a fun story. So my friend Justin and I, who we actually worked together with uh, RD on the artifacts, Justin Wetch, right? We, Justin Wetch, yep. Yeah. We just for fun had we made like a video game that you can that we uploaded to my super rare. Um, And it was basically just like nine floating islands that were all connected and each island had sort of like a theme to it. Um, I made like these sculptures and put them in there, Um, and it was just sort of like we wanted to create a world, where you could just go and hang out, you know there's no other purpose to it, you could like take mushrooms in the game and trip out in the world, you could just do all these like fun little things. Um, And then. RD had saw that he placed a bid, but I guess right when he placed his bid, someone else placed a bid. So I never saw RD's bid. And then like (laughs) two months later, he messages me. (laughs) Like two months later, he messages me. And then like he had already was thinking of Artifacts Unreal um, and wanted to get something going. And then we just, Justin and I hopped on that and we've been doing that for like a year now. Um, And it's really fun to see it develop over time.
3: Dude, it has developed over time. I mean, like, we, we collect with uh, us two and one of our other friends, Napal Rusk, and I think between us we have like eight artifact sculptures, so love the project. Uh, the Unreal environment is crazy. It looks like you guys are just continuously adding to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Our, my favorite part is the hieroglyphs. Um just being like having those all on the wall is something that's really cool to me and something i haven't really seen elsewhere um it's like a nice artifact for the project that will represent like the entirety of it over time and it's fun to just go to the ideal of what we can do and then like bring it back to something that's more realistic because there's so many things you can do in unreal and just like the possibilities are endless so we'll just never run out of stuff to do it's really exciting
3: so like i've never opened that software product before Walk me through, like, how do you, like, build stuff in Unreal Engine? Like, what's kind of, like, a workflow?
0: It's really complicated. So Justin (laughs) uses, like, six programs. I use, like, three programs. It's basically a lot of just, like, getting it, like, making an asset and then texturing it, like, read, making the asset again, optimizing it for unreal it's a lot of like technical stuff that isn't fun to really talk about unless you enjoy doing it (laughs) it, because it's just it's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense for people but when you see it you're like i don't even know how this was made um but it it's a lot of just like back and forth programs and sort of just trial and error and just like does this look cool no okay if something else and then going from there
3: i feel like we've just talked with so many artists that like i've gotta like play around with these softwares at some point because it's like magic to us like the stuff you yeah. guys can create yeah. is unbelievable. And I've had multiple artists tell us, like, it's not really that hard. It's just about doing it, like, the, the right way, you know? And it's, like, mm. people learn it, like, at their own pace. But some people can pick it up really quickly with, like, YouTube tutorials and stuff like that. Like, Yeah, absolutely. I would love to just open these up and see, like, the possibilities, like, you're talking about. Like, Unreal Engine, like, flying around that environment. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and one of the funnest things is to just, like, you can just giant, like, I don't know if you've ever played Skyrim or something like that, but you can just make a giant world, and then you, if you you just drop your player into it, and you can just explore that world um, without even having to, like, export the game, just within the program, Um, and you can, like, sculpt the landscapes if you want to make caves or mountains, there's just so many things you can do it feels like you're a god, basically in a weird way, like you, just, <laughs> you just decide what's gonna happen anywhere for whatever reason. My god, That's it's like
3: fun. roller coaster tycoon on crack.
2: Yeah, exactly. Better, better drugs than crack.
3: Yeah. yeah I, yes, you're right.
2: <laughs> Something a little cleaner. <laughs> when did you onboard to? Or where did you Where did you mint your first NFT? Was it Maker's My Place?
0: My first NFT was Rareable. Um, october 2020 um that was i had a friend who reached out and was like i, I wasn't sure of what platforms were doing what i just knew wearable existed um so he paid for my gas and then i uploaded it and i think it sold three days later and i was in the middle of a class at the time um and I just like left class and like called my mom and I was like, "Holy shit, mom! Like I just sold a piece for." It. And it was that was when Ethereum was like six hundred dollars, so I, yeah. I sold it for like ETH. and that was life changing. Like it, it was the best day ever. So then immediately afterwards, I was like, "Nope, I'm done with college. I dropped out of college and just like <laughs> went, I just re- went with the art and run, ran with it." That's looking awesome. back, it was it was like the least safe choice I could have made, but at the time it was the only thing I could think of, and I felt like I had to do it.
3: How many banners for YouTube did you clear on that first bit man? $5. So many. Oh, <laughs> so many. God. That's dude
0: in and October. And I was doing like yeah three days I was doing like $20 covers too that like like that was like a low point was doing cover art for rappers that was like in the art world that's like doing the thing you have to do even though you don't want to is like making art covers for like SoundCloud rappers and like some of them were my friends and stuff so I didn't mind but I was just like man I feel like I'm being exploited like $20 for a week's worth of time is just like in, in no world does that make sense
2: Jeez. I always, uh, I'm always curious, like anyone that has like a nice, um, curated super rare page. I'm curious to kind of like what the thought process is to what you meant on super rare.
0: Usually super rare is like my, I would say like my top tier work, I would say. Um, and it usually comes from like collectors reaching out to me, I guess, um, like that's sort of where I I mean I I guess it sort of just comes down to like where my best work is but also like I don't really think the platform matters like as more time goes on I'm realizing that I don't necessarily need to always put my best work on super rare Um, I like released a 10-piece collection on OpenSea which was some of my best work and I felt like I didn't need to just mint it on super rare because it was my best work I didn't want to have that like elitist vibe to it but I, I do think Super Rare is a great place for curation and it does have like really high quality art, um, but I encourage like other artists to not get stuck in that mindset of like only like using platforms for, for specific purposes, um, because there's so many different paths that we can take that you just sort of have to like find what makes sense for you. Um, So I'm I'm still figuring out like what my super rare page is going to represent in totality. But for now, it's like my highest quality work, I would say. Go ahead. I was
3: going to reference the last episode I mentioned. I I think I said art gnome, but I still don't know who retweeted this. But it was a Venn diagram of the users on the different platforms. And it's almost like, you know, you're better off minting on several different platforms because some of those collectors don't overlap at all. So, it's like, yeah, you got to appeal to all these different audiences. You might have different level collectors on on different platforms, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I I know some people who don't collect on Super Rare and they only collect on like Maker's Place or something like that. Um, And then there's other collectors who only collect on Tezos. Um, So, it it comes down to understanding like your community and the people who are going to more likely collect from you and sort of catering to them. Um, If a lot of your like audience, is Tezos collectors you might want to do a Tezos collection like that's a very reasonable thing to do and you shouldn't not do it just because super rare is better um, I
3: saw one piece out there from you on uh, yeah th- on there's the-
0: a there's one edition piece on Tezos of mine
3: I want to do more on
0: there but I don't like I also don't want to just like randomly put stuff out I'm sort of I kind of might just do that as more of addition pieces um but I'm like definitely slowing down my minting this year and sort of focusing on more like in-person events, I guess.
3: Nice. You could probably be his Tezos advisor. I I love Tezos. I oh, think it's great. Yeah. I five bucks, five bucks a project. <laughs> yeah, five bucks
0: for a for a Twitter banner. You know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> five bucks an hour to charge. I'm looking at uh the um first piece. Of, is this the first piece that you minted? Everlasting.
0: A year everlasting, yeah. So that piece is less about my, uh, um, like artistic journey. I think I talked a little bit about this in my uh, origin story with RD. Um, that that is sort of like a nod to the blockchain with my best friend who made the music for that. So I refer to it as a friendship token. Like I wanted my first token on Super Air to be um, a piece that my best friend and I made and sort of just like represent like our friendship and. With the blockchain being you know technically ever everlasting um it's more about that and i I probably should have put that in the description because not a lot of (laughs) people know that um but yeah
2: yeah no yeah you can see the transaction history too with rd scooping it on a secondary but um (laughs) nice finally it's um it's always cool to hear the thought process of like you know especially with your first mint um on a platform like that so did you what was the application process like did you squeeze in because that like i think this is about the time that's funny i
0: applied i applied to super air didn't hear back for them for like three months um and I was like, okay, like, I guess I'm just not going to be on Super Rare, which was fine. And then I just get like this random direct message from one of the curators. And they're like, do you want to join Super Rare? And I mean, I was like, yeah, like I was like,
2: <laughs> so I want to be on Super Rare. Uh, Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and, then,
0: and then I was just like onboarded immediately. So it was like, it was sort of, uh, yeah, it was good and bad, but I'm happy it worked out the way it did.
3: It's just a roller coaster of emotions. That's
2: fun, though so as as far as like like the creative side with what you're doing with artifacts do you guys basically just i'm assuming like there's obviously collaboration like with the team but like do you guys really just basically create from the ground up and how does i guess roger get like give you rain or what's the kind of creative process like from a an organization roger's
0: super roger's really dope just in general but he sort of just gives just and I full creative control if there's something that he's like very definitive on he'll let us know but for the most part Justin and I just make things and we say hey R.D. do you like this and he goes yep and then we <laughs> move forward so it's, it's really nice not having that like restrictive aspect of knowing that you're creating for someone else it, it's sort of a win-win where we create something really cool that we like and then it's just bonus points that other people like it too and it just works out perfectly um, I think it's a little bit of luck but also like Justin and I do have like somewhat of a good sense of like aesthetics and stuff like that. So it's not like we're like working from behind, if that makes sense. Like we kind of know what is going to look good and what's not going to look good. Um, So it's like process of elimination
3: from there. You picked up any other projects with Unreal or anything?
0: Yeah. so that was this is actually my introduction to unreal I have been learning as I go. Um, Justin is like very, very talented in the program so he's been like teaching me how to like just navigate the thing. And like you were saying earlier about how you wanted to learn it like I kind of just that I had a reason to and then just kept doing it, um, and now I just love it so.
3: yeah I think Justin made the unreal for Euphoria's collection yep, yep. yeah oh,
0: yeah and I, and I honestly think that'll be a pretty like common thing in the future um is artists having custom galleries for drops or you know events like that like that is something that a lot of people enjoy and once you kind of get the hang of it it's a very useful like even marketing tool and just cool to have
2: yeah you don't really see that too often do you get like do you have are you having those conversations like what's like the volume of like you know inquiries yeah (laughs) five bucks (laughs) yeah
0: there's i mean there's there's more inquiries than there is time like we have yeah. to like like there's a lot of stuff that we can't take on because like artifacts unreal is our main focus. Um, which is like for the better, but there are a lot of people who are like yo this is really cool I would love to do something with you um, and there's just like not the bandwidth to do it all the time, but I think. In the future there'll be a time for game developers to shine I don't think they've really given that spotlight to game developers in the nft space. But sort of once that community, and I, and I think a lot of them still might even be anti-NFT. I don't know how game devs, like how they in general approach the space. But I
3: think that'll be a huge opportunity for a lot of developers in the future. I think Ubisoft has a collection on Tezos, actually. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I think so. Yeah, I might be messing that up.
2: <laughs> we don't do
3: facts all the time on the show. Yeah. We just let everybody know up front. <laughs> don't, do your own research. <laughs> it's
2: better that way yeah <laughs> if you are looking to mint more on tez seriously just ask this guy because he'll <laughs> he'll give you some yeah. give you some good insight
3: oh.
0: i am i i'm curious too because i mean like when i when i uh, i just sort of stealth dropped my one piece and it sold out in like one minute and yeah. I, it like people I had, I had never talked to before like came in collected and messaged me and it was a really just like i don't know natural vibe to the community um it's like sometimes Sometimes with on the ETH chain, you can get like the elitist feel, where you feel like you don't belong. But I instantly felt welcome. Yeah, absolutely.
3: I think stealth drop is the way to go. Like I feel like it's hard for established Ethereum artists to like go drop on Tezos regularly and people know about it. To not have bots do their thing, you know, it's like you kind of have to be stealthy. So yeah, surprise us. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what I I think what I'll do is
0: like stealth drop it before I go to bed like one day and then tweet it in the morning to see if there's any left. Um but like I don't like self promoing Like that's a thing that I don't like to do and I don't know why. It's just a mental block. Um I sort of just like my art to find the people that it needs to find, when it needs to find them. Um and that's sort of how I do my minting process too. Someone will reach out and be like, "Hey, this piece really connects with me. Like, do you mind minting it?" Um and then if things like work out from there, I'll end up minting it, but I just, like, the marketing aspect of NFTs
3: is not my strong suit. It, it's just not mine. Well, I'll say this here. You have an artifacts one of one reserve of five ETH yet to be hit. So, okay. somebody go s- start that auction. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Yeah, I've had a
0: few people message me about it. Um, but, like, I, I'm I'm never in a rush to sell. Like it every time I've minted and sold a piece, it when I find out who the collector is, it makes sense to me if that like makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. it's someone who like very specific reaction to the piece and like someone had messaged me the other day and said they were they had saw the piece and then they were dreaming about that piece and they just couldn't get it out of their mind. And like those are the people that I want to collect my work. I don't like the the money aspect of it isn't my main goal. It's that feeling that people get when they uh see my work i guess
3: yeah i saw some big collector names on there that you know are part of the community that own multiple pieces from you on super rare
2: yeah 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 Yeah, the artist uh collector relationship it's cool to hear the the angle that you have on it and like the perspective that you have those relationships from because you're almost minting backwards where a lot of times you know people are minting to promote and like there there is that you know it's not, you're not shilling, you're just putting yourself out there. But at the same time that there's a, you know, another level of context that is important to kind of be laid out. So it's cool to hear how, how you see the minting process and, and how you can connect with collectors. Cause it's, it's, yeah. it's how it's been from the beginning. Um, yeah, definitely. Easy communication. It
3: brings up a weird point. I, I don't think I've seen anyone employ the model of, I just have like a portfolio of work and I wait for collectors to say, Hey, if you meant that i'll pay you x you know like don't mint anything until a collector comes forward and is like yeah i want that one
2: that'd be cool and then the first person to set the price like can also set the additions
3: do all sorts of weird stuff
2: yeah yeah i mean
0: it just like it it opens a lot of doors while not closing many that makes sense like you're not limiting yourself um and like, I, there was this one thread on Twitter that really spoke to me where it she was saying that your body of work sort of represents inventory. And like, just because you have unsold work doesn't mean your art's not good or that people don't wanna buy it. Um, but the longer you just like create your inventory, like there will be buyers eventually. Um, so I, and so I repost a lot of my old work and I sort of just use Twitter as my inventory. It's like, this is what I have made my DMS are open. We can always talk about it. We don't even need to agree on a deal. Even if we just talk about the art, that's cool too. Um, I feel like if you get stuck in one strategy, it limits, who's going to buy your work and how they're going to approach you. Um, and I sort of just like to let the flow decide things, even if that costs me, like, even if that sacrifices
2: sales. It makes sense and it feels good like actually hearing it explained too because a lot of the times, you know, you see with like the PFPs and shit, it's just like people are onboarding and have no idea like what even like the early art, I guess you could say early at this point now, like, like you said, 2020 type of stuff, you know, those dates and like when things were minted are going to down the line, hold value only with time. So I I think that's a cool way to look at it.
0: Yeah. I'm always curious to see like what the, what the cutoff is for the ogs right like people always talk about oh what you're doing now is going to be like historical but like at some point there needs to be like a draw like a line i don't know if there needs to be but people are going to be curious like at what point does does someone stop being an og or like when are they now considered you know the next category of whatever um
3: i think it's a sliding scale yeah yeah yeah.
2: it's
3: like if if you're in 2018 Yeah, Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, those guys that minted the first ones are OG, and then you get to 2019, and you're like, well, those guys minting in, like, 2018 are pretty OG. It's like, well, it's just like what (laughs) Artifax is
2: doing. It's like like you're trying to, like, you know, record the times. Yeah, that's true. You're only going to be able to look
3: back, and then you'll kind of understand, I guess. Yeah, I think the community, like, in a collective, like, chooses the OGs after a while. Like, (laughs) I think a lot of people can agree on, like, 10 to 15 maybe. I don't know. Maybe it'll be like choosing your favorite wrappers. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Still, yeah.
2: you you can always check the ether scan and just see what the price of ETH was too. <laughs> maybe you can just yeah. like set the price and then like anyone that minted below that price is technically <clears throat> an OG. That's true. You could mark by ETH price. <laughs> yeah. 500 bucks first mint, not including gas. Ugh then you're an OG. That's real OG. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: fuck. So how do you uh, like collecting? And where where do you like to collect? I have done, pro- I think I've done my most
0: collecting on uh foundation. Um, I started out like flipping PFPs and stuff like that. Um, and then I've more so gravitated towards like one of one art and like land and stuff like that. Um, I still do some PFP flipping, but I would say like I've collected the most art from other artists on foundation as well as like their own OpenSea collections like that. Um, And I think I have like two to 300 pieces um, total. So I've definitely collected like more than I've sold and it feels better to buy someone's art than it does to sell your own. Um, Especially when, I always think about when I sold my first, piece for the 06 ETH, like that was life changing for me so if i can give that opportunity to let's say like 10 even 20 people like that in itself has justified everything i've done in this space it's just giving someone else that sense of hope that there is a possibility in this space you can do the thing you just have to keep, like stay here and keep doing it um so it's, it's always like a give and take. Like every time I make a sale, I buy a piece from another artist and then I go to like a restaurant because I used to be a server and then I just tip the waiter like a really big amount. Nice. Um, like those are the two things I always do when I sell because I was once in both of those positions where I thought my art wasn't gonna sell and I was at you know at a restaurant waiting tables. Um, so I I think it's just like doing your part, I guess.
3: Man, what a great perspective of like not taking things for granted you know i feel like that's going to be the norm now now
2: that it's out there you're gonna anyone that has a nice nft so they're gonna buy a piece and go (laughs) yeah you you (laughs) see it a lot too like i like even when people
0: flip an ape or something they're like i'm giving away five ETH." like those are the people that i like i love like i love to see those people win because they're just going to keep doing that for other people like yes they just made like a million dollars but they're changing someone else's life at the same time. Like you
3: can't be upset about that. Yeah, man. That's, that's awesome. In our little group, we do some PFP flipping and, you know, some addition flipping as well. But what are your thoughts around like the PFP craze? Like I I actually don't buy many, but I've I'm known to have never bought an animal PFP. I don't know how I've made it through all this without doing that. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. I just don't, I don't, I I guess I'm a risk averse for that kind of stuff where I think the art holds better value, but like, I, I don't think I have the stomach for flipping PFPs.
0: Yeah, I mean, I come from like gamer culture, so I would spend money on gaming collectibles just to have them in game with no like thing to flip or no like financial incentive. So like with PFP flipping, I think it's a great way to like get more comfortable in the space with the tech You meet a lot of cool people in the process like sometimes you flip a piece to someone and they reach out to you and then now you're just friends like it's. As long as you don't let, let it get to your head, I think it can like do a lot for everyone like even just what we were talking about before like you can change this life by. Like through the royalties like there's so many different like outlets with pfp flipping that you can do, but like on Twitter, you only see those like. I mean, I, I guess there's everything, but there's a lot of, like, egotistical, like, I'm smarter than you because I bought the thing when it was cheaper than when you bought it. Um, <laughs> and, like, it up, you like, see oh, that dude. kind of stuff. But, like, there's also a lot of good from PFP flipping. Like, some yeah. of my collectors have been able to collect my art because they flip PFPs. Like, it's a cycle of yeah. just, like, putting, like, back in what you get.
2: Now, now I'm questioning, like, who's technically, like, smarter? Like, someone like me <laughs> who, like, who minted an ape for under under point no like point point six maybe and sold it at like five or someone
3: that bought neighbor like 50 and sells it at 100 oh you changed the life of the guy down the road though like <laughs> yeah, you gotta feel yeah. good about that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah who's smarter
2: the person that bought it first or the person that
3: uh... oh yours got stolen Some well All from right. the guy that bought it from the bot that bought it from you yeah that's a <laughs> You,
0: you had a stolen ape or like you got one stolen from
3: you? I, I tracked. So I tracked uh
2: the ape that I had down, this very not rare ape. And um <laughs> and unfortunately, what came from a kid, I saw it because I saw a tweet of someone like retweeted the sale because it was below floor. And um it was a picture of me. I was oh, shit, he sold. And uh, I went back and looked and followed the kid's wallet and he got it got stolen out of his wallet and uh resold right away and he just lost the ape i felt bad but uh curse state it's a it's a yeah, yeah it's ape. it's crazy that 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 can happen though like that's just like a well go, and there's a, a record going, of it it's which is worth weird so much money somehow it's worth so much money someone just like has it sitting on their computer and, and someone can just go figure out how to take it
0: yeah fucked.
2: yeah
0: yeah hardware wallets you gotta have those that's like that's the thing
2: I started setting mine up the other day and I got, I put one NFT on it and I couldn't figure out like how to like list it. So I got nervous and I haven't put anything else on it. yet.
3: He's trying to yeah. get it now. <laughs> he needs to connect it to the MetaMask at this point so he can like mess. Oh it yeah. On yeah.
2: Yeah. Once
0: you connect it to MetaMask, it, like you still have to sign it through your hardware every time it just operates like a normal, like your other MetaMask. It can be annoying, but if you like, don't I, like, I wouldn't flip with the hardware wallet um i usually just like store all the things i'm going to keep for a while on hardware and then flip on another wallet because you have to like type in your password each time and then sign the transaction like it just becomes tedious so i i kind of just like leave the art in there and then things that i don't like plan on interacting with a lot i guess
2: yeah it's tough. now i'm thinking about it it's like tough though because sometimes you need to have something in a certain wallet in order to get yeah. something else so
3: it's kind of like Absolutely. where the fuck am i at? i think i'm gonna like it the first like two times i'm gonna feel like a hacker i'm like yeah i gotta do all this shit, yeah boy. you
0: feel really cool at first I yeah mean, and I'm then, then i'm like
3: fuck, i'm tired of this like <laughs> i'm thinking about it now yeah like
0: there's, it. there's been so many projects i've missed out on because i was too lazy to like get my hardware wallet out and like do the whole thing and then like two days later the floor is like 300 times what it was And i was like oh my god
2: that was free
3: well oh. it's good to hear that everyone's got the same stories of just you know just getting burnt on either selling something too early or just missing out on something yeah. or oh but no you yeah. the the i'm assuming you had a good
2: day when you figured out what rare was that was uh that was one of <laughs> that was one of the good days yeah yeah. yeah. I, like, oh, you just paid? Was,
3: uh, I just got paid for collecting art. That was crazy. That I mean, was wild. That was the first airdrop experience for me where I was like, this magic internet money is what people call it. And, and, right. Like, yeah. kind of <laughs> felt that way. <laughs> magic yeah. The, yeah.
0: The magic internet money. Definitely
2: the perfect example. It's like, oh shit, I bought two pieces of art and they just fucking paid me back.
3: <laughs> Thanks. So flip your PFPs outside of your hardware wallets. <laughs> No, that's man. your knowledge for today <laughs> i mean you can
0: flip
2: your pfps in your hardware wallet if you like
0: hate yourself but...
2: <laughs> absolutely wonderful some people probably would do that but um yeah man i was gonna say just thanks for taking some time and it's cool to hear and um, just by talking it feels like you know get it like people being comfortable in this space like doing what they enjoy doing and having like creative freedom and then you know the connection to collectors and stuff it's it's good to hear appreciate some time
0: yeah yeah i mean i like there's a lot of influencers and stuff who tell you you should do x or you should do y but i mean like you just kind of got to do whatever makes sense to you like there's people try to like get you into these like pathways you have to be this or you have to be that but it's like i feel like the most thriving comes from just like doing your thing um even if it doesn't make sense to anyone else like it it will eventually and if it doesn't Oh,
2: well. Yeah, like- I'm, I'm sure people thought it made sense when you saw the picture on the internet and dropped out of college.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, Get back in college. <laughs>
3: uh, look at me now. Oh, man. Fuck. Well, good luck. I hope uh, the China show goes well and you guys get to go out there and meet more people in yeah, real life. Dude.
2: Yeah, if you want to come talk about it closer to when that's coming out, like, I'd be more than happy to Set up a quick chat.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably around April May will be like finalized, like date and stuff like that. Um, so I'll either make a post or not. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <just> <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just
2: come on. We'll promote it as like uh, this is not a promotion.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Chewy. I, we up. appreciate the time, man. Yeah,
0: thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Hope for you sure, have man. A good day
3: at you bro. Keep going. it. Peace.
0: Yeah.
2: Talk soon. Damn,
1: that's nifty. That's nifty. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. That's nifty. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. Euphoria's Fizz, he leaked a plan. Exulo worked on Iron Man. How cool is that? Yeah. Mad Dog Jones, the dude so fine, he hand draws every single line. I sure as hell didn't know that. Fuck Renda built a gallery to raise new artist popularity. What a guy, Isn't That man, a good guy Too much lag like a nomad, all his belongings in a single bag All these things, can't you see, I learned along That's NFT, that's, that's nifty. nifty,
3: that's NFT
1: That's a nifty, nifty NFT That's nifty, that's NFT That's a nifty, nifty NFT That's nifty, that's NFT That's a nifty, nifty NFT That's nifty, that's NFT That's a nifty, nifty NFT Damn, that's a nifty NFT